Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Carl Spilvogel, better known as Uncle Carl to the real estate investing world. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing great. You? Man, just uh, uh, another day in real estate investing paradise. Um, I'm over here analyzing deals, making offers, doing all the crazy stuff that uh, I preach every week to all of our listeners to do. So, uh, But definitely looking forward to sitting down with you today. Uh, I know you're your background and, and your kind of your stick that you, you stick to is that you're the niche guy that does everything that nobody else wants to do or is doing. So kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself and, and how did you find yourself doing all this craziness in real estate investing? Well, what happened, I did real estate from 2000 to 2008, did pretty good. And then um, I lost everything in 2008. I was buying for appreciation and I went out of business, uh, got so bad, I had to go live on my mom's couch for a while. Um, actually, it wasn't too bad because I actually, she had a spare bedroom. I got home-cooked meals. It was, it was nice for a period of time, but, <laughs> it, you know, it, after a while, my mom was like, you know, maybe you should go get a job. I'm like, nope, I'll never get a job. I'm always going to be an entrepreneur. But then I went to the business with my ex-girlfriend, car business, for years. And that's another stupid thing, going in business with your ex-girlfriend. That didn't work out very well. <laughs> And then what happened was um, I was trying to get back into real estate. This was about three years ago. I went to, I was going to all these real estate meetings. I ran into um, a buddy of mine, Mitch. We've done some deals together. I know him for years. And he said, hey, Carl, um, I got this piece of property. It's a tax foreclosure. I can't find the guy. If you can find him, I'll give you half the deal. So like, okay. You know, I mean, I didn't have anything to lose. So I still work with my ex-girlfriend in the car lot. And uh, I did a lot of research and I found the guy's resume and uh, it turned out he was a used car turnaround specialist. And that's what he did. So I called the guy up and said, hey, I've got a used car dealership. It's struggling. And, you know, I'd like to hire you as a consultant. So I ended up hiring the guy. He, he gave me a great deal. Five hundred dollars the weekend he came up. I had to pay for his hotel, everything. So I called Mitch up and said, hey, guess what? Uh, I, I found the guy and he's at my office and they said, you did. So Mitch came in, met him. We talked to him and I sort of got to know him. So I, I just, I hired this guy in the chance to know him so I could get the deal. And then, uh, he asked me any property in Charlotte. He goes, no, I don't have any property in Charlotte. So he went back to Columbia and then I called him the next day and said, Hey, we did some research, found out you still have a piece of property that's going to tax sale. He goes, that's funny. Someone just called me and offered me 35000 for it. I was like, oh, no. I said, I, I tell you what, you know us. I'll be down to, to Columbia, and we'll pay the same amount. And um, he said, come on down. We went down. We signed the contract to buy it for 35000 And then we closed on it, and we had a realtor sell it, and we made uh, $58,000 in three months. Wow. You know what? We're only three and a half minutes into this interview and you're already the first person that's ever said that they hired someone so they could buy their house. That's a, that's, that's awesome, man. So 
how did you come up with that? How was that like your first option? I, I would, I've never thought to do that before. I, I don't know. I, I just, I just thought, let me, let me meet this guy. The car dealership's struggling. It'll be a win-win situation. Um, I just, I thought it was the right approach. I don't know why I just came up with, so I'll, I'll just hire him for, for a weekend and, and get to know him. And, and it, and it worked out and we got the deal and we made 58,000 and it's just like, Hey, this is pretty good. I, I got another one for you. I'm like, okay. It's like, um, it was another tax delinquent. This is where we make our stuff, pulled it up and said, okay, the father passed away. There are a couple heirs. I did the research and I tracked down one of the heirs. And what I did is I went and, um, uh, I left FedEx packages on the door, notes and stuff. And then I, I we do, uh, we use this thing called been verified. It's a skip trace program. So I pulled her up and I was looking on, I got on her Facebook page. So I'm sort of stalking on her Facebook page. Turns out she's a big Carolina Panther fan. Okay. And I had gone to Super Bowl uh, the year before. So I put on my Super Bowl hat, my Super Bowl jacket. I go down, knock on her door. Start talking to her and say, hey, you notice we've been leaving you these FedEx packages and stuff. We want to talk to you about your property. And we start talking a little bit. She said, did you go to the Super Bowl? I said, oh, yeah, it's great. You know, um, she goes, I'm a big Panther fan. So really? OK. And anyways, we sort of talked and bonded. And then it turned out it was like her and her sister owned it. And it's going to tax foreclosure. And they just basically wanted to get rid of it. So we end up buying the property from them. And then we sold it. We made $68,000 on that deal. So we just do, we do these crazy things. You know, that was just pulling up the bin verified, getting on her Facebook page, learning about her, and then going, going and knocking the door and talking to her and being, being right. In right. So, yeah, I mean, you're just being like uber creative with how you're building rapport with these motivated sellers. You know, I mean, so often you hear about it either in mastermind groups or, you know, on YouTube channels or, or whatever it is where it's like, you know, it, it's not sometimes so much about the numbers as it is building the rapport and solving the motivated seller's problems. But, I mean, you're you're really going in and taking it to a whole nother level than anybody I've ever heard of, you know, or, or how they've explained how they've gotten deals. So after you did this on your first two deals, you know, once you're getting back in the game and it was successful, is that kind of where you realize like, Hey, I, I think I'm onto something special here. Like this could be the way that we really start locking down contracts. And it's a, a, a like a part of your acquisition strategy at that point. Yeah. We, we, we've figured out that, you know, like we go after the niche stuff. We, we learned that, you know, that the tax delinquents are, 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 and tax foreclosure are our best foreclosures, um, vacants, and um, we also do find a lot of great deals just using a property lookup system, finding the path of progress. But we we found that by um, like diving, like we specialize in, in deals where people passed away or it's vacant and tracking down people. That's our specialty. Um, we did one deal with, um, had 21 heirs, six different people passed away. And we put that whole deal together. You know, that's something that most investors would say it's too much work. And they, you know, I, I think most investors are lazy and they want to go for the low hanging fruit and right. they won't put the effort in to really dive deep. Now we've had deals as high as 243,000 net on a 55,000 investment. We have one closing out today. We're making 190,000 on $87,000 investment, but these deals are a lot of work, a lot of problems to put them together. 
but the reward is just incredible on these deals. And are you flipping these? Or are you wholesaling? I'm assuming these have to be flips, right? Well, we do very few flips. Most of our stuff is uh, um, wholesales. Sometimes we'll buy them, clean them up, and 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 resell them. And right. sometimes straight wholesales, like the one for one hundred ninety-one thousand. Um, it was a small rehab. We probably did twenty thousand dollars worth of work on it. We don't do any. We we do very few rehabs. It's usually just cleaning them up and reselling them. So we're making these profits without doing rehabs. We do very, very few rehabs. Nice. So, yeah, I, I know that's become a, a trend um, for a lot of rehabbers, especially the past couple of years. You know, it, people are calling it wholetailing or, yep. you know, uh, pre-flips or, you know, stuff like that. I know a lot of rehabbers have even kind of taken the strategy of acquiring the property and then putting it on the MLS without doing anything, you know, just a simple cleanup and seeing what happens over the next seven to 10 days. And if they get an acceptable offer, then they do that. And if not, then they take it back off, rehab it, and then sell it. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, so you're, you're in the, the Charlotte, North Carolina market? Yep. We pretty much stay here. We will go a little bit outside of that, but we like to concentrate just in, in, in Mecklenburg. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. Like, so you're being creative with these deals, you know, on the acquisition side of things and you're going after obviously highly distressed, like you said, vacant properties, you know, tax delinquent, even some of these, you know, having just, you know, 21 heirs. I mean, that's unbelievable. So when you're going after these properties and you, you finally get the contract, how are you deciding it? What, what is your criteria to say, okay, this is a wholesale or this is a wholetail or, you know, how do you determine what you're going to do with the property at that point in time? It depends on the area, the situation. If we just like, for example, it's areas come up in value. We'll probably hold it. Or if like we bought, we were buying stuff along the light rail, that area. So we're going to hold that. If it's a subject to like, we picked up a subject to the other day where it was paid on for 18 years. We're going to hold that. So yep. to, Depending on cash flow, um, like we, we don't like to keep condos. Um, we don't like to keep too much land um, unless it's near the light rail. So we just sort of we look at it and if, if it's going to cash flow or it's going to go up in value, um, we, we sort of make that determination that way. I love it. All right. Let's let's dive into that subject to deal that you just brought up because, you know, they've been paying on that for 18 years, you said, right? Yeah, and for us, what it was is a foreclosure, and so we always go knock on the doors and call. So I knocked on the door, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, my name is Carl, and I want to talk to you about the property." And um, what happened was the lady that owned it passed away, so the only heir was the daughter, and we we basically used our been verified, and we pulled the what we pulled the um, obit, so we knew it was the daughter. But we knocked on the door, and I started talking to people that live lived there, and they were they were good friends with the daughter. So I said, can you give me your number? If you give me your number, I will uh, get, I will pay you a $5 referral fee if we get it. So we had her phone number. And the thing is we kept calling the daughter and we called her and called her and called her and called her. She wouldn't respond. Then we started texting her. And then it was probably two weeks before the foreclosure date. And we kept texting her. I said, what does it hurt to reach out and talk to us? Why don't you, why don't you please talk to us? So she ended up, reaching out to us and we said, okay, you've got this property. It's going to foreclosure. We'd like to buy it. 
Um, and so she sold it to us for $750 and she just deeded us the property. And we ended up reinstating the mortgage. We, so we, we were into it for like $7,500 to reinstate the mortgage and fix it up. It rents for like $950. The payment's $450. We've had it a year. So there's 11 years left on the mortgage. But it was basically a situation where the, the, the daughter didn't want to deal with it. She just, you know, um, and, and she was just letting it go. And we find that all the time where people pass away and the heirs, they, they don't really care about the property. That property is worth 135000 right now, and we owe probably about 35000 on it. Nice. So let me let me ask you, because it, it sounds like you're, you're pretty fluent when it comes to subject twos and, and making those types of offers. And, and this is always a question that I love to ask guests that, that are doing subject twos is, and I know this one's a little bit of a different situation. So just more generically speaking, when you offer on subject two, are you telling the seller that you will refinance them out of their existing mortgage at some point in time? No. Or are you kind of going in and saying it's probably going to go the full term? I just said, we're going to take over your mortgage. That's all I said. We'll take over your mortgage. End of discussion. So have you ever had a seller say, well, you know, I'm in a bad spot now, but I'm probably not going to be in a bad spot in a couple of years and I would like to buy another house. So, you know, I'm concerned about having that mortgage still in my name. You know, th those are things that I've run into before. And so we've always kind of put a, if they bring it up, then we'll put something in the, the purchase contract that says, you know, okay, we'll refinance this within five years or two or three years. Because a lot of times, you know, even if we're going to hold it, we'll do a cash out refi just to get some of the, the cash out of the equity. So has, have you ever come across that before? Uh, back in the day, I, I did, but I've, I've only got a couple uh, subject twos now and, and I haven't had that problem, but they will at some point. Um, since the lady's passed away in this one, no, they're never going to come back. But I have one other one that that at some point they're going to probably say, hey, actually, they end up buying another house. And all they had to do was provide the lease to them and they were able to get the other house. But at some point go. they're going to, you know, so there are some other creative solutions that you can yep. get to help them get through it. But that is a, that is a good question. You know, well, you know what? And, and the other point is, is that because you are targeting such niche and also highly motivated sellers that maybe that's a, a, a good kind of a, a point of reference there to just show that the, the motivation sometimes can outweigh something that, you know, looking forward in the future, you know, these, these sellers are, you're the ones that you're going after. They haven't brought this up. The ones that I have gone after, because a lot of the subject to deals that we've gotten have come from Facebook ads. And yeah. so it's normally, um, just uh, the ones that we've gotten have just been, Hey, I'm behind a couple of months and I don't want to go into foreclosure and I don't have a solution on how I can fix this. And so we've done a subject too. And it sounds to me like you're going after deals that are, you know, it's not only they're behind on payments, but there's also death in the family or, you know, unwanted inherited property, all kinds of issues there that you're also solving a different pain point. So, you know, the, Kudos to you for for digging deeper into the motivation level 
um, and creating a better situation for you in the long run as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these deals have multiple problems. Like our, our biggest deal ever, where we made two hundred forty-three thousand. This started out; um, it was a, a a vacant house that squatters moved into, and it came. We got got the lead from a bird dog. He was pressure washing houses in the area, and he works for us part time. He said, "Hey, Carl, this guy passed away a few months ago, and and uh, the house some squatters moved in." So we're like, "Okay, you know, it sounds like the perfect." one for us so what we did on this one we pulled it up and um we basically pulled it up and found out that his wife had passed away for him so that meant her whole side was out since he passed and there's no will since he passed away it would have gone to his uh his brother but his brother passed away in 1973 in crete in a plane crash so then it went to his two sons so actually what we did on this one, we had we hired a genealogist to help us figure this one out. And I went all over town. He had a couple of relatives, distant relatives in town, knocked on their door, and they didn't even know he was deceased. So that was sort of weird. Not very close family. But they gave me little bits of information. But I worked on this deal off and on this for nine months trying to figure it out. And what happened was I tracked down there's a niece that he had given a lease on the property to 2040 for a dollar. So I went and knocked on her door and she said, hey, I moved in with some people, the druggies, they kicked me out. So I bought her lease out for like one hundred and thirteen dollars. This is just the hopes to get the deal. And I don't think the lease might have been valid anyways, but I still bought, bought the lease out. But the whole key was finding these two kids that were the rightful heirs. And what we did is we searched and searched and searched. We couldn't find them. We're like, we're really good at tracking down people. We're like. You know, what, what's the answer to this? We can't find these kids. So one night, I think it was after eight or ten beers, we were, I was like, hey, what if uh, the mom got remarried and changed the kids' names? So what happened was we got stuck. We pivoted. So we had our genealogist pull all sorts of articles all over, and she found out that um, uh, the, two, the two boys, the sons, uh, their, their mom got remarried to a police officer and um, they, they changed the boys' names. So at that point, we were able to track them down through Facebook, track down the mother, track down the, 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 the kids. So uh, this is a whole lot of work on just the hopes to get this property. I mean, this is yeah. spent a lot of time. And, and even my business partner like, Carl, don't you think you should give up on this? I said, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this deal. I'm going to make this happen. So the, one of the most important things before we gave them the offer was, I call setting the you know, setting the table, telling them what's going on. So I said, hey, first of all, um, you know, you guys are the rightful owner of the property. I mean, I told them that I said, you know, your your dad would have been the rightful own, owner. Your uncle Frank passed away. I, I said, look, I know your name used to be X, and now it's this. At first, they thought I was trying to scam them, so they called their mom and and, and said, no, this this is legitimate. Your uncle Frank did have a property. So after we went through the whole thing, I said, hey, here's here's the problem. One, there's a city code enforcement on the property Two, your uncle died without a will so he died in test date there's chance there's some liens and judgments could attach and we have to straighten the title out uh three it's going to tax sale in two weeks and four there's a niece that has this lease so i said there's a whole bunch of problems here you know we'll give you guys thirty-five thousand for the house and i sent them pictures of the house um by then we got the squatters out but it was a mess. And uh, they said, well, you know what? Normally we would negotiate, but this is found money. 
it sounds like there's a whole lot of problems to solve. We'll go and take the money. So we bought it for 35000 Now, here's a little key in North Carolina that's pretty cool. If somebody's been passed away two years, you don't have to open a state to sell it. And you don't have to go through probate, which is cool because we were afraid if we opened it up that, that something might happen. So after we bought it, we had to keep it nine months. And then we ended up selling it for, for um, we bought it for 35 We had to put a little bit of money just cleaning it up and paying everybody. And after we sold it, now I paid the bird dog $6,000. We sold it for three hundred ten thousand. We walked away with two hundred forty-three thousand on that one property. That's incredible. You know, when you were making the offer for thirty-five thousand, I think this is something everybody would struggle with, right? You're you're looking at a property that you know you can make, you can sell for three hundred and ten thousand. And I know you did a lot of work, but how did you come up with thirty-five thousand as your offer? Uh, we just pulled it out of the air. <laughs> I, I mean, because I think a lot of people probably would have offered, I don't know, 140, 150, maybe 150. You know, yeah. I mean. Well, it had a lot of problems. Here's the thing, too. We were taking a chance because, you know, there was no will. There's a slight chance somebody could, could have jumped out with a will and said, no, this is my property. There could have been some issues. So. I explained to them we're taking a risk. We, we may have to keep this property as a uh, long-term rental if we can't clear title later. So, but but I think I think it was, it's you know if it and at the time we only thought it was worth about two hundred. We didn't realize it's worth that much. It was in a great neighborhood, right. but the house was in really bad shape. But I think the reason, you know, we just we just gave them the reason. This is why we're giving the offer. It has all these problems. You know, if you want, you can take it on and solve it yourself. And they're like, uh, we can't solve that. Right. So, so, so when we're making these lower offers, it's because there's problems that they can't sign. Like if there's multiple heirs, plus I said, you know, we have to put all sorts of documentation together to prove you guys are the heirs and everything too. So that's, that's why I think people take these offers because, you know, they couldn't have solved all these things. And then there was going to tax foreclosure in two weeks also. So I, that's how I think we, we justify our offers, you know, as, 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 well, yeah, but offers. yeah, but also think about the fact, I mean, you said something that was pretty profound there or, or the seller did, you know, they said, this is found money. Like yep. they, they didn't even know this property existed, you know, and you're getting a call. It's two siblings. I mean, who's going to argue with, Hey, I'm going to deposit $17,500 into each of y'all's bank account for something that you didn't know existed. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, at that point in time, it, you know, if you kind of break it down to them that way, and then it's like, this is a world that you don't work in. You don't know how to solve these problems because I'm a professional and I don't even know if I know how to solve these problems. Um, but you're going to get this money. I mean, yeah, it's a, I could see how that would work. It was just, I was curious how, you know, you came up with that number because just to be quite frank, I think a lot of times as investors, we, we underestimate our, the, the value in our problem solving skills. Yep. And, and we overpay for things because we become nothing more than mathematicians with our little formulas. And we say, 
here's what the property's worth, and then I'm going to multiply it by some random percentage because that's what the guru told me to do. Yeah. And then I'm going to subtract the repairs, and then, then that's my offer on every single property. Instead of really diving in and saying, this property is a little bit different. I have had to work my ass off for nine months to track down all these different things. I had to get drunk one night to figure out that maybe <laughs> the mom changed the kid's last name. You know, all these things yeah. that you went through, that's time invested. That's opportunity cost, you know, and, yeah. and that's where you really capitalize on it. And that's why it's, you know, it's your biggest deal to date. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, another thing I told them too is I said, hey, look, it goes to sale in two weeks also. So they're like, oh, man, we don't know if we want to come up with the money to pay these taxes. So they, they, you know, so, yeah, it just made sense to them to take the money and be done and let me do what I do, you know. Um, so. Right. And then. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's those situations. They don't come across, you know, very often where you can sit there and say, I can basically make all of my money on the front end, right? By doing all of this work, I don't have to do a whole lot of work on the back end to make an extremely profitable day. And when those opportunities do come, I guess the moral of the story here is really dive deep into why you're making the offer that you're making and, and try to figure out how you can monetize it the best. Because I bet to those kids, you know, I, I'm just picturing, you know, how you know, the son went home that night and said, wife, you won't believe this. We're going to get $17,000 for a house I didn't even know existed. Yep. Now, he was probably just, exci just as excited for that $17,000 as he would have been if you had offered 100000 for the 50000 because yep. it's no different. It was just, I mean, it's like a scratch-off ticket. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I just won $17,000. You're going to tell everybody for the next year about this story about how you just got handed $17,000 and, but you could have easily made that 50. So that's, that's an incredible story. So, I mean, it, you know, the, what you're doing with really going after these, these crazy things, I know, you know, I follow you on Facebook and you're always talking about squatters. Yeah. Oh is my that, God. I mean, is that like, uh, is this like some kind of weird obsession that you have or do you have a, are you a masochist and you just don't, <laughs> don't No, we've got like five or six squatter deals and it, it's, it's, we, we, yeah, we like the hard deals. A lot of these houses. Is that is the, like, is a squatter like something that you're looking for? Is that like, like you said, your bird dog actually said, Hey, there's a squatter in this house. And then that's what kind of intrigued you to go after. Is that like something that you teach your bird dogs to, to look for? Uh, no, he just was pressure washing and the lady told him and, you know, told him, hey, this house, the guy died. And uh, we, we don't really look for squatters, but a lot of these houses come with squatters in them, you know, that, you know, like if they've been vacant for a while. Somebody had moved into them and we're having a big problem in Charlotte right now with 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 people doing that. Um, and it's a pain to get them out. So let's talk about that. What are some of your tactics there for for anybody that has a squatter right now? What are some of the things that you do to try to get them out of it and, and remove them from the situation? The best thing is to just go talk on them, tell them the product's been sold and that there's a moving allowance and pay them. That's worked best for us. Um, sometimes we get affidavits from the old owner's heirs that, that there's no lease and the people shouldn't be there. 
we just got two people arrested. Like we bought this one house, these um, and then people moved in while we we're buying it. And then um, they said they had a verbal lease. And then we had to go to the police and they got them arrested. And then they ended up fighting the police and got arrested for uh, 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 fighting the police officers. But the, the best thing is just to, to pay them to get out, go talk to them and try to work out, work out something. Because it, it's, it's, it's a huge problem. It's hard to get people out. They have, squatters have a lot of rights, you know, so it's, 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 it can be difficult. Uh, right. So let's, let's say, you know, I go buy a property for $50,000, say it's worth a hundred fixed up. I'm going to rent it for, you know, $1,200 a month. That, that sounds like a generic property, right? Mm-hmm. I show up, there's a squatter. How much am I offering them? A hundred dollars, a thousand, five thousand. I mean, kind of. How do it, you make that determination? It depends. Uh, usually, it's around it's four hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. And a lot of times, like we'll provide a moving van or or rent them a temporary place. It just it all depends on the situation. You know, you just got to feel them out. You know, you got to just start the conversation and see where the conversation goes. You know, do you have any place to go? Do anyone you move in? You know, um, so we we paid. Yeah, we paid eight hundred, fifteen hundred. You know, um, it just it just depends. You got to feel them out, their situation, and and sort of tailor it towards their needs. So you brought up that squatters have rights, right? Yeah. Maybe you don't know the answer to this, and I apologize if you don't. But at what point in time does a squatter relinquish his rights? Like, you show up to the property and you pay him a hundred dollars, and he leaves. Okay, he. Did he relinquish his rights? Because what if he shows up and he decides he wants to go get a Big Mac at McDonald's and he walks out and you change the locks? I mean, are you at fault then? So does he have to sign something? Yes. We always get to sign something. I vacated the property. I no longer live here. I realize if I come back on the property, um, I'll be arrested for trespassing. We give him to sign something. We give, give him the money. And then we board it up because they do break back in. I do. <laughs> Many a times you, we've given people money and they come back in and 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 uh, break back in. So that that does happen. So wow, it, it's just it's crazy. Oh, have then, you ever tried to convert a squatter to a paying tenant? We are doing that right now. We just yes, bought, I love it. We just bought this property. Get this um, for two thousand five hundred from the owner. It has a seventy five thousand dollar mortgage that hasn't been paid on in eight years. And they said that they're not going to foreclose. We already called the mortgage. So we went there. The squatter's been living there. And my business partner's a little scared, you know, but I'm like, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go, go talk to him. So I just went up and said, hey, we just bought the house. And, you know, we wanted to introduce yourself. We're the new, the new landlords and everything. And just wanted to talk to you about the lease. And they're like, yeah, my aunt told me that, that, uh, um, that we could live here, but eventually be sold. And they said, well, we, we want to stay. And I said, well, how much are you going to pay? So we're negotiating with them to stay there. Um, and we're probably going to rent it to them for half the amount because we don't want to go through evicting. We don't have to go through all that stuff. So right. they're, 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 they're probably going to pay $500 and it's worth the rent's probably 900 fixed up. So we're like, you know, so we're, we're going we're to try to convert them over. I, I think we can on this one, but usually you can't. But, you know, that that's an interesting story where the owner just, you know, he just, there was another tax delinquent. And he just we paid him 2500 We own it. And the mortgage is not going to foreclose. They even told us we were not going to foreclose on you. So 
we have three on this one. We have several choices. So you can make this offer to buy buy the mortgage, or cancel the mortgage, or you know you can just pay us something or or whatever. We're we're not going to foreclose. So we're just going to rent the thing out, you know, and and see what happens. I, I really don't know how that deal is going to turn out. See, we do, sometimes we do <laughs> deals and we're like we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to figure it out, you know. And for twenty five hundred invested, and then if I can get some rent for a while, how can I lose, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a very small small risk for for what could potentially be a huge gain on the back end if if the dominoes fall right. You know. Exactly. We got we got one deal. I'm a, I'm gonna jinx it right now. It's closing out today. This is this is a pretty cool deal. Um, it turned out it was a tax delinquent. Okay, and it was in a LLC. Okay, the LLC was defunct. Okay, they didn't pay. They didn't pay their uh, the, the the stuff. So we went. We tracked down the previous owners. It was a husband and a wife, and they deeded it into this LLC. So we tried to track the husband down. We couldn't find him. He was very elusive. We tracked the wife down, and she really wouldn't talk to us. But then we ended up talking to her mom to find out what the situation was, and she said, "Yeah, there's a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar lien against the property." She just wants to forget about it. It was, you know, a bad situation. So we pulled up the information. It turned out the lien didn't attach to the property because they put an LLC before the lien came. We're like, okay, this is cool. So we tracked her down. We kept calling her and calling her. And she finally said, look, just meet with us. Let's talk about it. So we met with her and we made it. She's like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm done. I've got these liens. I I just don't want to think about it. And so we said, what if we give you $28,000 up front and we bring you in as a partner? She said, why not? So we paid her $28,000 up front and we're giving her 18% of the profits. This is a deal she's going to walk from. She's like, I don't want you to do with it. So we got the defunct corporation. There's a thing called winding down a corporation. So we're able to use that clause, even though the corporation is defunct. And we also had to prove that she got the property in the divorce. So we had to get the divorce decree. We got the divorce decree proving that she had the rights. It's a long story, but we ended up getting the property, getting title insurance. We paid off the taxes. And this is one of the ones we renovate. We don't we spent like 20, 25, 30,000 renovating it. It's closing out today. Our share is going to be one hundred and ninety thousand dollars profit. She's getting another thirty five thousand dollar check. It's being sold for three twenty five. Wow. So that's going to be, and we're, we have 87,000, I think is our total invest in this deal. And we're going to make about 190,000 profit. And what I love about this is she was going to walk away from the deal. She was going to get nothing. Right. Single mom. She needed money for her kids are going to college. So she's got money for that now. And she's getting a bonus and we made money. So I love deals like that where it turns out where we make something out of nothing and, and everybody walks away happy. And it's just I can't wait when we get the check the next couple of days. I can't wait to call her up because she doesn't know how much she's getting. You know, she, she's probably not realizing that and, and go down and take her to lunch and hand her that certified check. I just. Oh, man, that's just, that's awesome. I just I, I just I love when you can deal do deals like that. It just it, it just warms my heart, you know, to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that being said, I think that's a, a great story to kind of transition to. Um, I know you have a, a new mastermind that you're creating. And yep. and I'm assuming there will be opportunities for people to kind of learn from you and, and network with you and, and, you know, try to 
grow their repertoire to to learn how to do some of these crazy things that you're doing and help out other people. So uh, share that with everybody yeah. and tell us what this mastermind looks like. Yeah, it's called uh, Uncle Carl and Friends Mastermind Group. I think Google Uncle Carl and Friends Mastermind, and it's only $105 a month. We have four Zoom meetings a week. I mean, a month, not a week. And then we also have uh, a Facebook page where we share ideas and everything. And it's, it's basically me talking about these different deals. Like, we've learned so many cool niche things. We do partition sales. We buy, we'll buy a part of a property. We do land subdividing. We do, um, what was, we just did a variance, land assemblage, excess proceeds. We can teach you how to buy a judgment. We actually rented somebody's judgment and foreclosed on the property um, and paid them $2,000. We got all these creative, crazy ways. We specialize in vacants, foreclosures. Um, I did a whole thing on just how you can use your property lookup system. Everybody's got a property lookup system and how you can make money just uh, pulling up data from that. Uh, but it's $105 a month, and uh, it's way too cheap for the, for the knowledge. But it's also... I'm, I'm bringing like I'm not good in all areas, so I'm going to be bringing different friends on in different areas too um, to show show people stuff. So I, it's I mean for 105 bucks a month, I, um, please join. The, there's some there's some really good good information we're going to be sharing. Yeah, I mean for 105 dollars a month, I mean that's such a small investment just over the course of a year. I mean, if you're doing any type of marketing, you know, you're going to come across a deal in a year where it's going to be like, I don't know how to solve this problem. You know, I, I don't know how to track down 21 heirs or I don't know how to track down the children's whose, you know, last names have been changed and I can make, you know, $293,000. I mean, just the information that you've shared here today. I mean, it's, um, Sounds like it'd be well worth it to to be a part of a group like that, especially to have, you know, four calls in a month where, you know, an open forum with you where they can bring you deals and say, hey, you know, what can we do here? Um, what do you suggest? And just hear you tell your story. Yeah. So that's that's an awesome opportunity for everybody in the, the real estate investing world. And so we're also going to be joint venturing with people, too. So if you have, you have deals that we can joint venture on, and, and work and we'll also some deals we can just consult and get a fee but you know you're, you're going to be learning some really cool like there's so many cool stuff you can do with judgments and liens i mean i don't know i could go on for hours about the different little niche stuff out there it's it's i just love it it's so much fun just putting together these crazy deals and stuff yeah man and you know for me i had the opportunity this past week to uh, listen to Gary Vaynerchuk speak at Max Maxwell's event here in Dallas. And, and Gary talked about, you know, if you're making $100,000 a year in a job and you're miserable, but you would be happy making $36,000 a year, um, do that. And, and I can hear, like, the joy in your voice of – solving these problems and diving in like this is something that you truly like enjoy yes it's almost like you're you're in it you're an investor but it's like a side product to also being like almost a private investigator exactly 
You know, it's like that's where you're actually getting excited. And and then it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, we made two hundred thousand dollars. But what I really enjoyed was this how we tracked it down and we got creative and we made this deal. And you know, I, I told one of my partners the other day, I said, I really enjoy playing the game. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a there's so many real estate investors that I hear at different masterminds where it's like create the system so you can get out of your company. Don't work in the business, work on your business. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds okay. But I really like playing the game. Like I, I get a lot of passion from uh, being creative and like analyzing the deals and, and, and talking to my partners and talking to sellers and, and trying to figure out how we can make deals work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting over here and it, it's a completely different, uh, style of being um, creative, but I, I think it, it it's the same kind of creativity that goes into it. Like I'm I'm looking at my list of deals that I'm working on right now. Uh, we've got a, a 40 property portfolio in Tulsa, another 29 property portfolio in Ohio, wow. and then another 80 properties in Ohio that we're we're working on acquiring from a, a lender, and then we're wholesaling. And I would. I would love to learn how to do that. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and dude, and I'm looking at it, and it's like both of these deals, like the first two, the 29 in Ohio and the 40 in, in Tulsa, when the sellers contacted me, these are not motivated sellers, okay? These are other investors that own portfolios, okay. and they're coming to me saying, hey, RJ, this is what I need, and both of them need cash in their pocket. Right. And they needed a certain amount of cash in their pocket. So what I did was is I worked out an arrangement to where instead of buying the whole portfolio, I give them what they need. You need two hundred thousand dollars in your pocket. I'll give you your two hundred thousand, but you seller finance the rest to me. And then I'm working it out where, okay, this is when we're gonna refi them out, and then we're gonna go wrap those mortgages and owner finance them on the back end. And so it's like is it the same thing you're doing? No, but it's still like, that's what I enjoy. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm sitting over here and like, I get so excited just like messing around on the spreadsheet and being like, okay, what does this look like? What is the, what, you know, how much am I paying a month in interest? And then what can I charge? And what does that look like over, you know, a 30 year schedule? And it's just, um, find your passion, you know, like there's so many different things that you can do in real estate investing. You know, from wholesaling to flips to rentals to owner financing to buying and selling notes. And then like even in those, like what you've created in your in your company is like such a niche market that you're going after a lot of tax delinquencies, those vacant properties. You're getting properties with squatters, but you're being so creative with it that in all reality, what it sounds like to me. And then this is just me making an assumption from our interview today. It sounds like you don't have to do a ton of volume. No. Because you're making such big spreads on your deals. And, and that's why you're – but you're working in your passion, what you love to do. And and what's great is we don't spend any money in marketing. This is all us going out and finding these deals and creating these deals. It is time, you know, but we – you know, what's nice, I think, you know, you've got some people that probably don't have a tremendous amount of money listening is, is you don't have to have money. Uh, there's a lot of these deals too that we're getting for five hundred dollars let me yep. tell you a real quick story this one deal the tax delinquent we tracked down the two heirs we gave him five hundred dollars up front to get on the deed 
and they get another 2000 apiece when we close out the house. They were happy. They were going to walk away from it. It had problems. So you can, so we base, we just closed this out yesterday or no, a couple of days ago. And we made $66,000 on about a $1,500 investment. But, but the thing is, is there's a lot of creative ways you can do this. You can get on deed and then straighten mm-hmm. out, out the problem. So, so, you know, everybody don't think you have to have a ton of money to do this. Um, use your mind, use, you know, um, and you, you can do a lot of creative things. Absolutely. And, and every deal that I just talked about there, I will not invest $1 of my own money in those deals. Wow. It's not going to happen. And, and I tell that to the seller, like, you know, and these, these are my buddies, you know, the, one of the sellers is kind of a, a unique situation. Um, he's actually a partner with me on a large portfolio in St. Louis, but he owns a separate portfolio in Tulsa. So it's like, he's my partner, but then again, on this deal, we're not. So he's seller, I'm buyer, and that's how we're working it out. And it's like, look, he knows the deal. He's no, He knows I'm not, RJ Bates is not going to cut him a check for $200,000. <laughs> and and I flat out have told him that. I'm like, look, these are the terms. He likes them. I like them. It solves his problem. Now I'm like, look, give me a week to two weeks. I'm going to go raise the $200,000 and we'll get this closed. And um, that you know, that's the world that we live in. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's refreshing to me to hear someone, you know, have that passion and that joy in their voice where it's like, you're just telling these stories, man. And uh, it's like the same passion and, and, you know, just inspiration that I get, man. It's like someone asked me like, how was your day? And to be quite frank, it's like, I could get a check for, you know, six figures and I'd be like, you know, it's good that deal closed, but what really gets me excited is back when the deal started and it was like, this is how we created the deal and this is how we, all the moving pieces, this is how we put it together. I really enjoy that part of the game. And so for anyone that's listening, like find what your joy is in this business. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you're you're in real estate investing, you're wanting to to grow your business and learn from, you know, other investors like Carl here and find what you enjoy about this business. And most of the time, what I've learned is it's not about making the money. The The money is a byproduct of what we do. So go out, find what exactly. you enjoy in this business, join masterminds. Like I, the fact that Carl's mastermind is $105 a month uh, is just an incredible opportunity for everybody out there. Um, you know, for some of you that are listening, you might be like, oh, that's great, RJ. You have so many private money connections that, you know, you're going to buy these portfolios and not use any of your own money. Almost all of our private money that we have ever gotten has come from joining masterminds. Yeah. So join Carl's mastermind. You have no idea how many people are eventually going to be in that mastermind. Two, three years from now, there could be tens of thousands of people in there. And if you go in there and you become a valuable member of that community, bring content, ask questions, always add value, make it a reciprocal relationship. You have no idea who's going to come into your world and say, I've been watching you for the past six months. And man, I really like what you're doing. And I've got $5 million over here, and this is the return I want. Go get us some deals because that's what happens. So, Carl, one one last thought. Okay. um, 
if you want to contact me, the I'll give you my phone number. Well, it's, it, the best number to reach me on is 704-777-7777, extension one. It's our We Buy House number. It's easy to remember. Leave a message. Um, it might take a while to get back, but that's 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 a good way to contact me. Or I'll tell you, what, I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number, too, if people want to. But, but text me first. It's uh, 704-995-5385. 704-995-5385. Well, I have to say it. I have to tell the story now because you, you made me do it, Carl. Okay. Maybe you haven't heard the story, so I'll tell it directly to you. Okay. The first ever podcast that I was ever on was the Joe Fairless, uh, Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. Uh-huh. Have you heard of that show? Yeah. Yeah. So I got invited on there. I'm super nervous. I, I have no equipment. I don't I don't have a microphone and all of this. So I'm on my cell phone. I'm walking around on my cell phone getting interviewed. And literally, my voice is trembling at the beginning. Like, I, I can't even breathe. And by the end, I've survived. And, and Joe says, what's the best way for people to contact you? And I just was so unprepared for the question. I just said, my cell phone number is 817-915-6860 and didn't even think about the fact that Joe has a very large following. Yeah. And so I started getting calls from people all across the country that were like, Hey, buy this property, buy this property. So (laughs) I got, I actually bought two properties that I still own today, both of them for $15,000. It was the first property I ever bought in Dayton, Ohio. And the first property I ever bought in Jackson, Mississippi, I, I bought from the Joe Fairless uh, podcast. So I cool. love it when people drop their cell phone numbers on the podcast because I'm like, man, that reminds me back in the day when I did that. So, man, I hope you message me soon and you say, hey, I remember when I dropped my cell phone number, I got a deal from it because uh, that's just that's one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Uncle Carl. Thank you so much for sure. joining us on the Titanium Vault, man, and, and dropping all the knowledge that you did today. Great. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. That's our show for this week. Uh, if you are if you enjoyed what you listened today, uh, please drop us a review on iTunes or, or Stitcher or any other platform that you're listening to. Uh, that's what help us, helps us get our message out to more people. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, R.J. Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.